This is our third evening, um, and uh, we, I want to introduce you to some new people tonight. Uh, in, our, in our list of ten, uh, these will be numbers seven, six, five. Is that right? Did that come out right? We've, we've had three. We've had three. So seven, six, five, if, you, if you're keeping track. And the difference tonight is that I want to introduce you to one family from which we will draw three people to add to our list. All three deserve to be on the list, but they are a family. Of all of the families we read about in the New Testament, this is one of the most important that you've never heard of. Um, I want to take you, uh, now, so what, uh, what I want to do in the next hour is tell you a story. I want to tell you the story of the family. That's the best way in the world to do it. Um, and uh, there are a few little unexpected things along the way, um, which of course, as you know by now, I like a lot. Um, I'm taking you to, let me ask you a question. What was the last letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it probably within weeks of his death. What was it? Which one was it? Say it again. No, not Corinthians. Second, Second Timothy. Second Timothy is the last. He is in prison in Rome when he writes the letter. Who's with him? Okay, the way we find that out is we look it up. I want to take you to the last two, three verses of 2 Timothy to find our family. Okay? 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Okay? This is our text for tonight. Verse 19. Let's start there. Do you have 2 Timothy? The end of the last chapter, right? The end of the, of the little letter. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. We've talked about them. And the household of Onesephorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Who's he writing to? Timothy. Timothy is not with him. Probably in Ephesus. And then comes this line. Eugilus greets you. And so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and the brothers. There's our family. Eubulus is not a member of the family. He's probably the head of the household, which means he probably is the head of more than 200 servants in the household. The family's name are three people on the list are named Pudens, Linus, and Claudia. Did I mention you probably have never heard of them? Right. Let me tell you the story. 
Okay? Now, Putin's first name, he has a first name. His first name is Rufus. Now, the story I tell you tonight, there is, is, is as well documented as any story from the first century has ever gotten. In other words, I'm not making this up. All right? This is a story that you can research as well as anybody else can. And it's a story with more details in it, easy uh, details that we can document, and details that at the same time um, are, almost are, uh, we could spend three hours and not tell the whole story. Okay? So I want to interest you in the story. Now, I tell you his first name because there is one other reference in the New Testament to Putin's, except he's not called Putin's, which is the name that he became known by his friends for, with. Okay? And obviously, who else knows Putin's besides Paul? Timothy does, okay? And you'll find out how many others do too before we're done tonight. So if I take you to the other place where he's mentioned, and then we'll jump into the story, it's in Romans chapter 16. Now, you know from things we've done so far before, we've, we've heard of Romans 16. This is that long last chapter of Romans which is filled with what? Huh? Greetings, names, greetings. Greetings to people in what city? Rome. So here we go. And the verse we're looking for is number 13. Where it says, greet Rufus. It's the same person at the end of Timothy. Now, bear with me. We're going to, we're going to lay it out. Okay? And you're free to go check anything you want to. Okay? After we get done. Greet Rufus. Chosen in the Lord. Okay? So, um, now, this time when Paul writes, um, he is using the name that he knows Putin's by, which is Rufus. When he writes to Timothy, he uses the name that Timothy and everybody around Rufus who are his friends know him by, which is Putin's. Got that? Okay. There are two pieces, two backstories, okay? And I just want to sketch them briefly so you know what they are. The first backstory is the story that um, we actually talked about in a previous year a little bit. I think it was last year when we talked about the relations of Jesus and his relatives. Do you remember when we did that? Uh, a year ago. And one of Jesus' relatives that we weren't quite prepared for was the man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a very prosperous businessman, uh, a great uncle to Joseph because he was Mary's uncle. Mary's, mother, Mary's father's brother. I think that comes out to great uncle. Um, he was a, a miner of tin and metals for the Roman Empire. A very prosperous person. He's the one who did what in the gospel story? 
claimed Jesus' body. He was a friend of Pilate. It wasn't that he went to Pilate and said, no, you... Pilate knew him. And when he went to Pilate and said, may I, may I have the body? Pilate had no problem saying, sure. Okay? And he, he buried the body of Jesus. But then we said that uh, if we trace back Joseph of Arimathea, where did he spend half of his life? Where was his business? Do you remember? It was in Britain. In England, it was in Britain. He made regular trips across the Mediterranean, back and forth. He had a large mansion in Palestine, in the little community of Arimathea. Uh, but uh, he also was a very connected person in Britain. Britain, in the first century, was a thriving country. It had a national religion then. What was it? Druidism. Some of you, if you studied the history of England, you know about the early Druids because uh, they're some of the best candidates for how did those rocks get where they are and lined up that way and so forth. Okay? Um, but the backstory is this, that after Jesus was buried, resurrected, returned to God, it was time for Joseph to go back to work. He filled a boat with people who were his friends from around Arimathea, which was near the community of Bethany. Now, if you start to figure out who, who, who did he know around Bethany, you can think of people like Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and a few others. And Jesus is now gone, and they all join, join Joseph and make the trip to Britain with him. We know because there are relics around all over Britain from the first century, uh, hewn rocks and so forth, and in some cases some early documents that have the name, the names of all of these people show up. That's why we know they were there. Okay? And they got there with Joseph. Joseph went this time not just to be a minor. Joseph went this time to be a preacher. And within four years after the death of Jesus, the, after Jesus was gone, the death and all that came in a pretty tight little window, remember? You know, 40 days and and so and 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 after that was over uh, Joseph went preaching in England and founded what is ostensibly the earliest church anywhere to be actually formed um, and an, and a um, the group that went with him um, and one of the disciples of Jesus one of the twelve went with him uh, appears to have come about two or three years later. And this was, his name was um, uh, 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 Judas, was the other Judas? Uh, uh, J Judas, the one that's called um, uh, the Zealot. Uh, you can see, you can find his, uh, Judas, did I, was it Judas? I think I got the name right. Uh, you'll find him, Zelotes is, is, was his technical name. But he, Simon the Zealot? You may be right. It's the, it's the zealot. Um, uh, they went preaching and founded a Christian church. This is the background. 
okay? Uh, and um, the, the, other, the other piece of that uh, is that because of what Joseph of Arimathea did, um, uh, he had access to, to, the, uh, to the, literally the king of Britain at the time, whose name to the British was Caradoc. Uh, the Romans would eventually know him as Caractacus. But Caradoc, we'll, we'll refer to him that way. The king and his family, because Joseph was a person of considerable influence in, in Britain, both as a businessman and as a Christian. Now, the other backstory is that in 43, now, Joseph arrives, if, if, if you keep in mind Jesus' death, we'll say is in 33. You, you, you know that, that number? Okay. And so by about 36 or so, um, uh, Joseph has uh, uh, arrived and a church is forming. Um, Lazarus is very much a part of that church that forms. In 43, just a few years later, the emperor of Rome, whose name was Claudius, sent 50,000 Roman soldiers where? into England, into Britain, to take the British Isles for the Roman Empire. Well, how did the army do? Terribly. Absolutely terribly. They'll spend almost 150 years trying to beat the British and never quite get it done. Um, Caradoc turns out to be not only a great king, he also turns out to be a general, the kind of general the Roman army had never seen before. Read the stories, look up the stories on the internet about the British and the Roman wars. Uh, they are remarkable. And at every turn, the British beat the Romans. Now, the Romans have so many people, they just kind of overrun the place, though. And, um, uh, and a, a Roman presence is established for literally a long term. All right? In 52, about nine years after that war began, um, the British did not beat Caradoc, the, the general. Of, uh, that, that had given them so much trouble, but he was betrayed by some of his own people, his own uh, soldiers. Uh, and as a result, was taken prisoner by the Romans, Caradoc was. And Caradoc and his entire family, literally the, the entire group of British royalty, as it were, and today's royal family still tracks itself all the way back to Caradoc. Um, the royal family was taken to Rome, as all captured kings, uh, royalties, wherever the Roman Empire went, they had to come to Rome. You, you probably know the story, parade, they had to be paraded in chains through the, through the city, you know, as the Romans would celebrate another, another conquest. Uh, except this time, the Romans had established, Claudius, the emperor, had established such a I get, what would we call it, a grudging respect uh, for the British army and Caradoc's leadership of it, 
that uh, he did the unthinkable. He spared Caradoc's life and the life of his family. Uh, made Caradoc uh, be put into prison for seven years, after which he would be freed to return home. Which happened. Caradoc had a fairly large family. The two, people, the, the two people we are interested in are one of his sons and one of his daughters. The daughter was named Gladys. She was born in the year 35. Um, now keep in mind that Paul is born about zero, about the time Jesus is. He and Jesus are about the same age. So as Paul gets older, we can almost track Paul's age by what year it is. So in 50, Paul's about 50 and 60. Um, she's born in 35 to Caradoc. She is a princess of England. Her name is Gladys. A son is born not long after that, whose name is Linus. And now you start to see where we're going. When Caradoc and the British royal family is taken back. They are taken before the Senate, where the judging of the, the, the death sentences and all of that are supposed to be passed. Well, Caradoc famously makes a speech before the emperor, Claudius. A speech which so impresses everybody, um, and, and we still have a copy of the speech. You can still read it that his life is spared, the emperor is impressed, we're going to do things differently. And one of the remarkable things is that, that the year is 52. How old is his daughter Gladys? I have to figure that out myself. 17. She's a teenager. She's 17. She barges into the Senate where women were not allowed except the queens and stands her ground with her father. And as the story unfolds, Claudius, the emperor, is so taken with her, he does what is his prerogative. He decides, and he could, he could do that, and did it. He adopted Gladys as his own daughter and named her Claudia. Of course. Now, did, did you follow that? Now, who did we just meet? We have met Claudia and Linus, son and daughter of Caradoc. You, you follow me so far? I spelled Caradoc. C-A-R-A-D-O-C. C-A-R-A-D-O-C. Which means... How are they all going to be treated now? Well, the interesting thing is that before they were all taken back, when, when, uh, when uh, Gladys was about 15, um, she fell in love in England before the move. She fell in love, secretly it appears, with the number two commander in the Roman army. It's a grand story. Uh, and and, and I, I invite you to, uh, to, to, to do your own digging 
and, uh, and fill in other pieces of it, if you wish. Um, fell in love with the number two commander. Interestingly enough, Caradoc's sister, who plays an important role in the story, but we don't have time for her. She's actually not mentioned here. That's why we're going to bypass her. But she's the one who fell in love with the number one commander. Their names are all there. The Romans kept good records. She fell in love with the young commander whose name was Rufus Pudens. Rufus Pudens was the Roman commander. He was young. He was about 10 years older than Gladys, who becomes Claudia. Follow me? So when she is back now in Rome, they are, they, nobody's going to say anything until after they find out what's going to happen to all of them. But um, uh, she is 17. He is in his late 20s, probably about 27. Uh, he's probably born in about 25. We know late 20s is how they usually pre uh, present him. Okay? And after everything is, is finished, then they declare their love to e for each other. And what no one else, what no one seems to have known either is that when the entire, when Caradoc and his entire family, Caradoc was the kind of the last in the group to join. But the people that, um, uh, who, met, who knew the royal family back in England? Joseph. Joseph. Guess what Joseph did to the royal family? He converted them all to Christianity. All of them. Caradoc even eventually comes around. And through Gladys, her new young Amur became a Christian convert as well. So when we get the entire family transferred back to Rome, not only have we brought in a Christian family, and there's more in the family, okay? The sister, the sister is the one that appears to have been the first convert of Joseph of Arimathea. Her name was also Gladys. But after she married the Roman general, her name became Pomponia. That was the name of his family. If you go on Google Pomponia and see what rocks you turn over, they're good ones. Okay? But she's the one that appears to have opened the door to the rest of the family uh, to become Christians. But the point is this. When we get back to Rome in the early 50s, um, we literally were going to have a marriage, okay? And the first marriage that's there is going to be between Pudens and Claudia. Now, Claudia, remember, now is the adopted daughter of the emperor himself. And since he, she is a member also of the British royal family, daughter of the queen, or the king, uh, they have built for them a mansion in Rome, and, and the, 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 the descriptions of it are uh, Beverly Hills Eat Your Heart Out in the mansion. 
um, and uh, which carried the name of Britannica, the Britannica Mansion, and the entire family, all of them moved into the mansion in Rome. They were all Christians by that point. Claudius, Claudius the emperor, was kind to Christians, uh, impressed by the British. The war's still going on over there, okay? But it, uh, it has changed complexion, and, and the story itself that we're interested in of Christianity moves from Britain. We're going to come back to that one later. But moves for this time period to, to Rome. And my friends, what, what literally happens here um, is we're, we're talking about a, a group of Christians now who are uh, not preachers. No preachers in this group. Okay? No missionaries in this group. Um, uh, 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 they're royalty. They, they probably have to figure out what to do. Um, but boy, do they figure out what to do. And what happens is they are in touch with Joseph of Arimathea back in, and, and the leaders, um, uh, Simon the Zealot and, uh, and other leaders who are in England. So they're in the, the, the little group that's now in Rome is in touch with them. Um, so what happens is this. By about uh, the, by the late 50s, we know that Peter probably made a first of what was two or three trips to Rome himself. And what happens is that the, the word goes to this group that is in Romans 16, these house churches. Remember we, we talked about the delivery of the letter to, the, uh, to, to uh, Aquila and Priscilla and so forth. Um, uh, what happens is that, that Putin's and Claudia open the, this mansion up. It becomes the safe house for all of the traveling Christians who come to Rome. Now, there's a lot of people, as we see from Romans 16, who have houses of their own. But there are, there are documented <coughs> documents that, um, that indicate that the first place that Peter was invited to stay while he was in Rome was in the, the mansion of Pudens and Claudia. Um, how safe is it there for the Christians? You, you, if you put two and two together, you realize, where, is there, could there be a safer place? Uh, for them to stay. And it becomes the, the safe house for Christians passing through, coming to visit, coming to do all sorts of things. Um, is it out in the open or are they sneaking there? Uh, it is relatively in the open. It, it is. Now, as a, the farther time goes along, it gets more and more dangerous. And that's when we're going to talk about the contributions that Putin and Claudia and their children um, uh, make. Because everything, one of the reasons Rome is going to become the center of the church 
is because of this situation that's set up by Putin's and Claudia. Uh, uh, Paul is getting ready to go to Rome. Guess where he's going to stay? Uh, I, I want to do one or two little things along the way just because I want to. Um, one is, one of Putin's friends, uh, apparently uh, they've been friends for quite a long time, uh, even before he was in the army and was sent off to England, was a, uh, was a, young, um, a young writer who became quite famous, whose name was Marshall, M-A-R-T-I-A-L, that, that kind of Marshall, like in Marshall music. And Marshall was, became a, a, quite a famous poet of, of, uh, of Rome, of the empire. And um, uh, specialized in, uh, I've read a couple of his specialty poems. Uh, how, how would we describe these? Uh, does the word body mean anything to you? Well, do body times 10. Okay, and you get the, the kind of poetry. He became known as a writer of wild stuff. Okay, okay follow? Except, the only exception he ever made is that he wrote a poem celebrating the marriage of his friend. Let me read it. Part of it to you. It goes like this. Claudia the fair one from the foreign shore is with my Pudens joined in wedlock's band. O Concord, bless their marriage couch forevermore. Be with them in thy snow-white purity. Let Venus grant from her choicest store all gifts that suit their married unity. Uh, that was not typical martial poetry. Um, later, after three of their four children were born, he wrote another poem. For, actually, he wrote quite a few for Claudia. Uh, you got the feeling he was quite taken with Claudia himself. Um, and and he, he, he wrote this. Grant, O ye gods, that she may ever prove, talking about Claudia, the bliss of mother over girl and boy, still gladdened by her pious husband's love, and in her children find perpetual joy. The unusual thing is how he refers to his friend Putin's. Because the word he uses that's translated in this one, pious, is the word that you probably know from Latin, which is sanctus, which means uh, sainted, holy, all of, the, all of those meanings go with it. And, and he's writing about a friend who's been a friend of his for a long time. What's he telling us about his friend Putin's? Even with the word. Even with, his Christianity. Huh? His Christianity. His Christianity. And Marshall is no Christian. Believe me. If I read you one of his other poems, you know he is no Christian, okay? But he has become really captivated with the Christianity of Putin's and Claudia, and his poems show that. 
Um, and uh, I'm giving you some names. Should you wish to pursue this subject further, these names will open all the doors to, 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 to the stories you need. Marshall's one of them. Uh, a very well-known poet. These are easy, th th these are easy to, to find. And this is only a couple. Um, uh, but the interesting thing is that this person who, is, who, who becomes famous for, for smutty-type stuff, when it comes to this family, none of that. It's in you, you follow what I'm saying? There's a clue here that the Romans around this family are seeing something quite unlike anything they are used to seeing. And it says enormously about Pudens and Claudia and the others who are in the family. Uh, Pomponia and the, and and uh, several others. Several others. We're going to add. We're going to add the children here in a, in a in a little bit. Okay. Um, time. Time. Um, Pudens and Claudia, let me, let me just finish the story and then I'll go back and, and try to suggest some of the meanings of the story, okay? Pudens and, 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 and Claudia had four children, two boys and two girls. Uh, the, their names are, the, the oldest boy, the first child they had was named Timotheus, who had by that time stayed in their home for quite a long time who was probably there at the time he was born. Should I say it another way? Timothy. They were quite explicit that he is named for the young Timothy, who shows up with Paul and stays in the mansion. The first daughter was named Putantiana. It's one word. P-U-T-I-N-T-I-A-N-A. -A. Quite a pretty name, actually. The third was a daughter whose name was Praxesus. If I, if I read it right, it's P-R-E-X-E-S-I-S. Praxesus. Which was a Roman, a Roman name, like, like, like the Putin's name was. And the last, uh, the, the son, the last sunborn was Novatos, N-O-V-A-T-O-S, Novatos. Now the reason that the children are important in this story is because the, and there are, there are so many records around that, that affirm this kind of thing, particularly about the children, because um, uh, uh, Remember now, Peter and Paul are going to die in about 66, 67, right along in there, because the, who's going to become the emperor after Claudius? Nero. Nero's the emperor following Claudius, so things are going to turn bad. And that's why I say, by the time we get to uh, about uh, 60, things are, things are not uh, as happy as they once were. The name of the family appears to protect them, but it's not going to protect them forever. Okay? Uh, and um, so, so uh, we're going to lose Peter and Paul. Uh, Paul is going to come and stay in the, in the house. 
And in fact, when Paul at the end of Acts ends up in Rome, uh, has a trial, is in effect uh, ordered to house arrest, uh, it says he, he has access to a house that, that appears to have been one that he had arranged to buy. But uh, all of the records indicate that he stayed, in, stayed with Pudens and Claudia. And then after two years when he was released, and apparently because of the intervention of the family, and, and Paul then has gone for six years. He's gone from about 61, 62 to 68. Uh, right, uh, about between five and six years. All of the indications is that during that time, which is not in the New Testament, all indications are Paul headed for Spain and England. The records are there to demonstrate it. But then when he comes back, and comes back to Rome, and he's, he's brought back by the Romans from wherever he is back to Rome. The second time. This is not the trip in Acts 27. Okay, that was the first one. This is the second. He's brought back this time, put on trial, and very soon is, is gone. Okay, is killed by Nero. Um, but uh, the, 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 the um, uh, Putin's will be martyred by the Romans himself in about 70. There are several different records, to, 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 so we're not exactly sure of the date, but he lives for a while. Claudia will live to the year 82 and die a natural death. Uh, what year was she born? You can figure out her age. We know she died in 82. She was born in 35. Okay, yeah. Um, the four children uh, live... Uh, a fairly long time. Do not die until after the 100, after the 100 year. That first, that first uh, decade of the second century, they will die. Their records, the records of their death, all four of them are martyred. Uh, all four of them became um, uh, uh, every bit the Christians that their parents had been. All four of them. All four of them made names for themselves as church leaders. And, uh, and all, everything they did related to the church was built around the, the palace. Okay? And the palace eventually was sold and all of the proceeds used to feed the poor throughout the churches of the empire. It's a great story of these. We have the two references. Who is with Paul at his death? They all send hello. Linus, we haven't talked about Linus yet. Let me add Linus. Linus becomes a great saint of the church. He appears not to have um, been the hard-charging kind of people that, uh, that uh, Putin's and Claudia seem to have been. But all indications, all records that exist show that Linus was appointed by Paul, the first bishop of the church in Rome. And any list of Roman Catholic bishops that you find will have Linus, St. Linus, as the top. He was Claudia's brother. Uh, he was Claudia's brother, son of Caradoc. 
Um, even Marshall referred to the sainted Linus. Linus appears to have been one of those kinds of leaders, terribly quiet, but got a lot done. Got a lot done. He got the church organized so that the worship services in all of the various houses had the same kinds of form to them. So that uh, he, he is the one who's credited with beginning a regular mass that coincided with the passion of Christ. Uh, things like that. Things like that. Okay? He wrote an epistle to all of the churches about the deaths of Peter and Paul. Um, uh, he did not live very long. He himself was martyred by the Romans after about 10 years as Bishop of Rome. Uh, you can fill in a lot of the story. Those are the outlines of it. I hope they make a little sense to you. But I got something I want to show you. Um, this is one of those kinds of things. Do, do I have a marker here, Bob? Um, that I, that uh, uh, to contemplate. Um, I told you we got two references. The one at the end of, of uh, Second Timothy. Um, how close, when you read something like that, how close does Paul appear to have been to Pudens and Claudia and Linus? <coughs> is it just me? I, I pick up a kind of intimacy in the way that this is written. And, and the, I mean, Paul knows. You can re you've read 2 Timothy. Paul knows what's going to happen in the next week or two. He's, he's, he's going to be gone. He knows. He knows the end is here. I, this is his, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. The crown of life is, I mean, yeah, he's ready. Um, and who's he counting on to? There's a cemetery. The relics of it, June, are still there, I'm told, in some of these documents. Pris cemetery of Priscilla. Putin's mother's name at the mansion. And on Paul and Peter both, both of their deaths, the bodies were collected by Putin's family and buried in the family cemetery at the mansion. Then it's under St. Peter's it's under, Basilica. Now. Well, I don't know if it's the Basilica, but it's uh, not far away. That's, where, that's yeah. where they say the bones are. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the Peter bones have been moved two or three times. There's some who say they're in England now, so anyway. <laughs> um, the intimacy of this end of life thing here at the end of 2 Timothy is really important. Got something else I want you to see, okay? Now, I, okay. There, there's a bit of a shock here, and uh, so let's take it slow. Okay, I got, I got 10 minutes to work through the shock. I'm going to take you to Romans 16, this famous list again. Um, let, let me, while I talk a little bit, let me put this up here. Uh, can you see if I can make this so you can see it, all right? Uh-oh.
I'm putting these up here for a reason. I'll show you why in just a minute. that are in the Greek text of Romans 16, verse 13. Okay? Uh, these, are, these are the exact Greek words. Now, I understand that uh, I'm kind of playing unfair here. I, I understand that. But you'll see, I'm doing it for a reason. Okay? Here's, here's what the verse 13 says. I just read half of it a while ago. It says this. Greet Rufus. We know who Rufus is. Okay, that's the first name of Putin's. If you check this out, you'll find out that, uh, that uh, this was a common family name in this family of his. Chosen in the Lord. And his mother. And mine. This is what, this is the Greek text. These are the words, okay? Um, I, the mother, this is the word matera, matera, mother. This is M-A-T-E-R-A, -E mother of me, atu, me. I said it wrong, got it backwards. Keep your mind straight here, okay. Of, um, of him, actually the Otu means him, and Kai is and, and Emu is me. Literally what it says is, say hello to Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Paul didn't use the word chosen very often. He usually used it for who? Himself. Himself. Chosen in the Lord. And say hello to the mother of him and me. What did he just say? If you take it from what it says, I didn't make that up. Say hello to Rufus, chosen in the Lord, the mother of him and me. Joe, why would they want to obscure that in the translation? Mine says, who has been a mother. Yeah, yeah. But you got it. That's why I put this up here. Yeah. Because that is not what it says. Yeah, why, but what would be the motivation to... Because no one wants to believe that this is actually what Paul is actually saying. He is saying, now we know, I think, why when he wrote and said, tell Rufus hello, this is the Rufus he grew, grew up knowing. Now, remember, Paul and Rufus are separated by about 25 years. Paul born in 60, Rufus in about 35. You follow me? And the scholars who really want to take this seriously say, Paul was born in Tarsus of a Jewish father who appears to have died. And the mother, apparently, do you realize in this list, Look, look at two other verses. This isn't as far-fetched as it sounds when you realize that if you go to verse, um, 
Let's see, where's the first one? Uh, there are two places here. One is Herodian, verse 11. What's he say? Greet Herodian, my relative, my relative. Now, relative was usually a word for not brother or sister, but what? Cousin. It was usually a cousin word in, in, in the Greek uh, world. Uh, and if you look for, I, I've lost them for the moment, uh, go down and find, how come I've lost them? Uh, well, if you find Andronicus and Junia, uh, are they on the list? What verse are you talking about? Seven. I just am looking past it. Okay. What does it say? My relatives. Same thing twice. So, who gets her to Rome? There's family members moving to Rome. And in Rome she appears to have met a Roman who probably was a Christian and has a son 25, 20 years later who grows up, the, t the point is that the ages are, are pretty much, they pretty much line up. You follow me? Yes. Which makes Putin's and Paul half brothers. So when she goes, when he goes to Rome, who's he going to see when he gets to the house? His mother, his mother. Who, tradition tells us, was named Priscilla? What does that do to the story? Does that have any effect on the story? Are you aware, are you aware that Paul was in Jerusalem uh, when he was in one of those things on his uh, third missionary trip and he got into hot water and was on the verge of, uh, of uh, being beaten to death by the Romans? And, uh, and he was actually saved from that. By whom? Famous little story. No, not Rufus. Uh, well, if you look at the story, I forget chapter 16 or 17, it, he says, his sister's son, his nephew, right? Who appears to have been a teenager, who, who Paul sent to tell the Roman, he better not do this because our family is Roman from Tarsus. Stops everything, halt the beating, we're sending him to Rome. Now, so he also, the point is, Paul's got relatives, his sister, we'd never heard of his sister living in Rome before, his sister's already in Rome. So we're talking about a family that has gone a lot of directions, from cousins to sister. This is, I didn't make this up, this is in the Bible. <laughs> don't, don't, don't forget that, okay? I, I put the words up here so you can see them. So, so you know that if you were translating this, this is not hard to translate. You follow me, don't you? The mother of me, ought you, and, and what, me? The mother 
Now, why would he say that? Is he trying to say, well, she's been a pretty nice person to me too. Is that what he's saying? Would he say that if he were trying to say that? Why do these other translations say that? Well, because, I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I just flat out don't know. Uh, because scholars look at this and say, that can't be. Paul's money. Paul's lost it. You know, he meant to say, we'll put in what he think, we think he meant to say. Paul was a smart cookie. If he'd have meant to say that, he'd have said that. But he didn't. Now, you get the impression that he and mom were not close? That's probably a fair impression. Does it, had he been home and had he called often? No. No. Did he know that she was in Rome? You think he had been in touch with maybe, well, probably not for years. Half-brothers can, I suppose, be gone for years and years and finally find each other again. Most scholars that is his mother. Uh, there's, a, it's, there's a large number who do. And there's a large number who simply look at the text and say, he says so. So what do you do? Now, you, you, you see, the point is that nobody set out, Paul never set out to say, well, 2,000 years from now, they'll be wanting to know this, so I better put all the details in. No, 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 he's not doing that at all. We've got to... I mean, he's saying enough to kind of say, if you want to think this through, fine, but because I'll give you a clue or two. And that's what we get. Some clues. Um, I'm convinced that at some point, uh, and we can almost track it in his letters, where he decided, I've got to get to Rome. Now, could he have known that Mama's not doing well? I've got to get to Rome. That's what he starts to say. I've got to get to Rome. As soon as I can figure out how, I'm going to Rome. And then he writes the letter saying, I'm going to get there as soon as I can. And by the way, say hello to Putin's and our mother. Tell her I'll be there soon. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense that he'd write that. Okay? Now, do we know more? No, we don't know more. We don't know more. But I, I, I thought that if you actually saw this, so you know that I'm not making up a, an interpretation of something, these are the words that are in the Greek text for Romans 16. My friends, I did the impossible. It is 6 o'clock. <laughs> I thank you for coming tonight, and uh, for some it has been a long day of meetings and other kinds of things, but thank you. I'm, I'm impressed at how many of you make the trip out on Sunday evening to be able to sit at our tables, and uh, let us uh, have a word there to go. Thank you, God, for this lovely day, for the coming of spring turning to summer. We are, we are moved in so many different ways by becoming students of these 
sacred words. We have a love for the biblical writings. We're aware, dear God, that they just show us the tip of an iceberg. But we pray that you'll bless us as we try to grasp the range of ways in which it speaks to us. We thank you for people of the past, Putin's, Claudia, Linus, Pomponia, great saints, great saints who took the church from the apostles and carried it into the next century. Without them, dear God, the church would not have become the, the juggernaut of the world that it is. Help us to show the kind of respect for these great people of the past that they truly deserve. In the name of Christ our Lord.